you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. I grew up uh, right in the, the early 80s uh, translation uh, shift. In the, the very early 80s, uh, the King James Bible and the RSV were the translations of the day. If you went to any Methodist church, you'd see one of those two in the pew in front of you, uh, and that would be the uh, language of worship for you. It was uh, familiar to most of us. Many of our English kind of turns of phrase come from that older uh, English phraseology. Uh, and, and some of our church lingo comes from there. And some of it has stuck around, and some of it has changed dramatically. Uh, the, the translation world boomed in the 80s, 90s, 2000 is just keeping going. Uh, you, you see many churches replace their RSVs with NRSVs. Uh, some just skipped that completely and went to NIV. I preach from the CEB, which uh, some of you are like, mm, that is, that's far away from the King James Bible, right? Um, but one of the biggest moves in this translation shift was the move away from the language of the Holy Ghost. And I am thankful for that movement. Um, the, the Holy Ghost was the language used around uh, the church and around Sunday schools and around flannel graphs and all this. But for me, the Holy Ghost is like, I'm picturing Casper, right? Uh, kind of floating around. If you're, if you're of a different persuasion, uh, maybe you're picturing Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore and Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, if, if you're my kid's age, you're picturing some of the characters in Hotel Transylvania, right? It is hard to make the gap or the jump over this gap from uh, the Holy Ghost to the third person of the Trinity who is born out from the love of God the Father and God the Son. The church has adopted uh, more fully the language of the Holy Spirit. We've kept the adjectival modifier holy, right? The Spirit is holy, but we've moved from the language of ghost into spirit. And I love this because it invites us more um, creatively to imagine the presence of the Holy Spirit in the world. The Holy Ghost, it's hard to make a jump from a little floaty uh, white towel over you Halloween costume thing to something that animates our life in worship, right? Uh, the Holy Spirit is, is easier to make the jump to uh, God's breath and to uh, near mystery. It uh, ties together the Greek understanding of the Trinitarian God who is fully uh, God the Father, God the Son, and, and the Holy Spirit with the Old Testament Yahweh. Because um, these are two whole different worldviews, right? Yahweh is just God, and is God, God the Father is God, and also the Son and the Spirit. Yes, it's all, the, right, this is worldview shifting things, and uh, Holy Ghost keeps us only in the New Testament. Holy Spirit invites us to, to creatively uh, dream and imagine the presence of God amongst people throughout the whole of Scripture. Um, we, we tend to, to minimize the role of the third person of the Trinity, if we're being completely honest. In my church, uh, really, it was almost like Father, Son, and Holy Bible. 
Um, the, the Holy Spirit was just that thing that's occasionally, or in that instance, the Holy Ghost, is that thing that is just kind of over there, right? It's for the Pentecostals. They get the Holy Ghost in their services, and we get the Bible. Uh, false dichotomy. We, we even give it a whole lot less time in our creeds, right? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, uh, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose from the grave. He ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. He'll come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Move on. It seems rather unfair to give the Holy Spirit uh, this one brief phrase. It's not even a complete sentence, right? We have a comma. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And I've been chewing this week on if that isn't because uh, all the rest of that is the work of the Spirit, and we're, we're actually describing what the Spirit does. I believe in the Holy Spirit who gives life to the church. I believe in the Holy Spirit who unites this communion of saints who are uh, living and gone ahead. This, this Holy Spirit who, um, who raised Christ from the dead. The Holy Spirit who we look for in resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who will bring us together in the world to come. We need to reclaim the Holy Spirit uh, as part of our worship and our life. Each of the texts today paints a, a different picture of something that the biblical authors describe as the Spirit. Um, the psalmist talks about the Spirit of God being present in creation and bringing forth the good things. Is this the Holy Spirit as we understand the third person of the Trinity? No, because the, the, the Old Testament authors don't have a conceptualization of the Trinity. This is a Greek thing, but when they start to talk about the, the work of God, they talk about His Spirit bringing forth life. We have our Acts reading, which is the one that 99.9% uh, .9 of preachers today are just preaching straight through this Acts text. Pentecost Sunday, it's the birthday of the church, so let's talk about Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And in this case, this is where uh, we, we tend to cede ground to the Pentecostals and the people who have, you know, uh, they're speaking in tongues, and they've got these fruits of the Spirit happening, these gifts of the Spirit, uh, but this is a word for each of us. The Galilean Jews, Jesus' friends and disciples from up north in Israel, uh, are gathered together after the ascension of Christ. And they're just kind of waiting. Jesus said, hang on, uh, I'm sending you something. And so they're waiting. I love that this time they're waiting in a room and, and anticipating that Christ is going to do what Christ said he would do. Before, they got in a boat and started fishing and said, maybe we need to make some money. Now they are waiting and the Spirit comes. The Spirit falls upon these Galilean Jews, and it says it's like flames of fire above their head, and they begin to speak in languages that the observers understand. So this is Galilean Jews. They would all speak Aramaic, most likely. These are the Jews who find their roots up in Galilee, where Jesus is from. These are the disciples speaking in tongues that everybody else who has come to town for the festival can understand. The, the Jewish people who have come from the diaspora, who've come from wherever they were, have shown up in Jerusalem, see these Galilean Jews speaking in tongues that they understand. And they're, they're, they're marveled. They're spellbound. We have people from all the places that Jan pronounced perfectly without asking me a single time how to pronounce those. 
I'm not going to try to pronounce all those right now because I would fail dramatically. Uh, but they, these people who had come from all those places for this festival see the Galilean Jews speaking in their mother tongues, and they are amazed. And so Peter does, as people who have the Spirit of God uh, are want to do, and he goes out and starts preaching a sermon to these people who are watching, these uh, Jewish uh, folks from out of town. He's got a crowd, let's do this. And he begins to preach from the book of Joel and from the Psalms, and he preaches this sermon that, that ties together the, the hopes of the people of Israel in the time of Joel, the hopes of the people of Israel when they talk about David, and he ties it together and says, and this Jesus, he is the Lord that the prophets promised, and he's the Messiah that we've been looking for like David. And people breathed in, and they breathed out. And their hearts were changed. These spirit-filled disciples spoke the truth of who Christ was, and thousands came to know him that day. The Holy Spirit is big and creates things, right? Creates the world. The Holy Spirit is big and shows up at Pentecost. We often neglect that the Holy Spirit also shows up in places like our other two texts today. In a Romans text, it, it talks about the Holy Spirit as one who um, kind of speaks to us and guides us. One who can give us direction and hope and, and belief that we're going in the right way. And then in John's Gospel, we have this picture of uh, the counselor. The one who's going to come and, um, and bear witness and tend to your heart. We use this John text as part of every, at least I do, every funeral I ever do at some point will come up to this place of uh, that the Spirit is going to be with us and going to offer comfort and hope while we wait in a world that we so often need comfort and hope. For all the bombastic stuff of Pentecost, more often than not, the Spirit shows up in our text in quiet and uh, unexpected uh, calmness. The, the church has embraced that it's the Spirit who does the work of renovating our interior castle, to talk about Teresa of Avila's metaphor, that the Spirit comes in and helps sin no longer reign in our hearts, but remain, as Wesley would talk about. It's the Spirit who testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. This is from the Catechism. It's the Spirit who is the presence of God in the midst of God's people in this moment. For the rest of the text, God has to show up in a tabernacle or a temple or a burning bush, and now the Spirit shows up in us. For the holy of holies to have been in a, a tent or a temple or in, uh, in a place, now the holy of holies is in us. And the Holy Spirit will absolutely do big and remarkable things, and we will pray for it. Uh, I will never cease praying for miraculous answers uh, to our greatest struggles. And at the same time, the Spirit will literally just tell us, it's okay, you can make it through today. I'm here. You're not alone. And sometimes the Spirit 
will be so imperceptible that we have to calm ourselves and look and wait because it, it isn't the thing we want. So often we, we are in this moment of crisis or chaos or spiritual winter or dark night of the soul and we want God to show up in mighty ways and it's the ways that we might not even see until afterwards that the Spirit shows up. I want us to reclaim a belief that the Spirit will be active in our lives. That God will show up, show off. That God will meet us in the means of grace and lavish us with his presence. That for every Pentecost there is a For every miraculous healing, there's a, I love you. I don't want to give away the power of the Spirit to our uh, Pentecostal friends. I want them to have it, and I want them to teach us. But, but friends, we were Pentecostal before Pentecostal was cool. Wesley believed that the Spirit would revive. This is George Acevedo's line, right, Tom? I should give credit to George Acevedo. He says this all the time. The, the Methodists were Pentecostal before Pentecostal was cool because Wesley believed that the Spirit could bring new life to the church. The Church of England was dead, and Wesley believed that if we attuned ourselves to the means of grace and we attended to each other, the Spirit would show up. Now, Wesley was also realistic, and the Spirit didn't show up immediately and at every time he expected, and at times he had to just sit and wait. But friends, I'm ready to sit and wait and then to celebrate the moments when the Spirit shows up, to celebrate the big and the little. And I hope this will be your prayer. Holy Spirit, fall upon me. Do mighty things. Or give me ears and eyes to, to know what you were already doing. In a minute, we're going to come to the communion table. Darren doesn't even know this yet. We're going to come to the communion table and, and receive our elements, and Darren and I are going to be at these kneelers. And as you come forward, we've got uh, little bottles of frankincense. If you've ever wondered what it smells like, it's lovely. Just don't rub it in your eyes. We learned that uh, a while back. Um, and we'll meet you here, and if you want, come kneel at the altar, and we will anoint your head or anoint your hand, and we will pray that the Spirit would fall on you today in mighty ways and almost imperceptible ways that the Spirit would be upon you, that you would know the love of God, and that you would go forth in that same Spirit to go and bless the world. Amen? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we do pray that you would fall afresh today, that uh, whether you show up in ways that look like Pentecost or ways that look like uh, a still small voice, uh, that you would show up uh, extravagantly in our lives. Lord, would you give us hearts uh, that are receptive to your spirit? Would you calm our mind to, um, to believe that your spirit will fall on us? Would you give us eyes to see where we might go and share your love with the world? Holy Spirit, fall afresh today. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.